I hope you have your Bibles with you tonight. Our text that we're going to begin with is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you'll open your Bibles there. Hope everyone had a wonderful afternoon. I know this was a holiday and a lot of people were getting together with their family and their friends and their loved ones. Uh, I'm just thankful that everyone is back again tonight as we look to the Word of God. We are talking about, as Josh said a few moments ago, the issue of service. We are always interested in people serving us, but the Scriptures call for us to be servants as well. And so we're asking ourselves, what do I need to do to be made into a servant of God? It is something that is contrary, at least to what our society tells us to do today. We're not told by our society to serve other people. We're told to sit back and let others serve us. Christianity is about serving. We talked this morning, it's about, it's about serving because God is a God who served us. God has come into our lives and God blesses us. He serves us. And in turn, as we concluded this morning, we are to be people who serve Him. We are created to serve Him. This evening, I do want to start getting a little more specific in some areas. Tonight, we're going to talk about how we serve the lost. Tomorrow night, how we serve one another within the Lord's church. On Tuesday night, how we can become servants of all people everywhere. And then finally on Wednesday night, what do I need to do? What are the things that I can do in the kingdom of God? We're going to get really practical into our lives and think about what we can do. So tonight, let's talk about how do I become a servant of the lost? The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 said this, beginning in verse 19. Follow along. For though I am free from all... I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. I want you to notice what Paul says in verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Within Paul's context here, he is speaking of the idea of evangelism. Paul is saying that he wanted to be a servant of everyone, and so he sought ways to teach people. He sought ways to reach out and interact with everyone within his life. That's the type of service we're going to talk about tonight. Being someone who is evangelistically minded. Being someone who is thinking about the people that we interact with. I don't know about you, but I find myself, if I'm not careful, Slipping more and more away from interaction with other people. Okay, How many of you, when you go to the grocery store, go to the self-checkout? I go to the self-checkout. You know why? I don't have to deal with anybody. I just go there, get what I need, get in, get out. How many of you order off Amazon? Okay, now more hands go up, right? Okay, It's pretty easy, right? You don't have to deal with anybody. I mean, years ago, it was it moved from interacting with people to you started calling people on the phone and placing orders. But now we don't have to talk to anybody. And it's not really messy that way, right? I don't have to deal with someone. I just go in there, get what I need, and get out and go about my business. And I'm not saying, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying that you're sinning if you do that. You're not sinning if you do that. 
But I'm finding within my own life that my opportunities to interact with people are diminishing. And look, as a preacher, um, my circle of people I interact with closely is really relatively small. I mean, it's, it's the Douglas Hills congregation. There are a lot of people in the community that I meet and I'm trying to, to develop relationships with them, but it's difficult. Um, I don't know if, Josh, you found this when you went from a secular job to preaching full-time. Uh, people think, oh, you know, you're a preacher, so you're interacting with people all the time. No. Let me tell you what happens. When people find out I'm a preacher, I mean, defenses go up. It's wham. <laughs> you know, because they think you're going to try to knock them over the head and dunk them under the water. And, and that was stunning to me. I, I didn't anticipate that. That's just one of the realities. Right? So you may find in your life that sometimes you don't interact with a lot of people. Or maybe you start judging other people. And I'm guilty of that sometimes too. I start saying, well, that person, that person would never be interested in the gospel. That person's, uh, they've got tattoos all over them or they've got piercings all over their body. and They're just not the type of person who'd be interested in the gospel. And that's just a wrong way for us to think. Okay? Those things, just because someone has piercings and they have tattoos, that doesn't mean that they're not interested in the gospel. But sometimes they don't look like me and I get uncomfortable and we start shutting ourselves out. A lot of times we shut ourselves out because we start identifying people who may be a, a bad influence upon us. And this one's really complicated. We need to be careful. And we need to be careful about the influence other people have on us. But, beloved, we are also called to be a light to the world, right? And Jesus said, if that light is hidden, it won't light up anything. And so, while you juggle being careful of how other people influence you, we are called upon as Christians to go out into the world and influence other people. So, it is complicated. I'll grant you that. But God calls upon us to be a servant of people by teaching them. And though Paul is a wonderful example of this, there is no better example than Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ was in a synagogue and he picked up scrolls and he began to read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he said even more clearly in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, the story of Zacchaeus, we'll reference that in a few moments. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That was his mission statement. Jesus Christ knew very clearly what he was doing. He was coming to serve the lost. And you and I could learn something from him. As we start thinking about God serving us and our service to God, part of this equation is we've got to think about how we serve the people who are out there. And I mean in particular those people who are lost. They're the people you work around all the time. They're the people you go to school with. They're lost and they're dying and they need help. And we have an obligation to step in and try to serve them. So how did Jesus do it? I've got four points I want to make to you this evening. Four things that we look and see within the life of Jesus as to how he served the lost. The first one is this. We have to notice people. Jesus was remarkable about this. Everywhere Jesus went, Jesus saw people. And he's always around people. With the exception of those times when he went off to himself to pray, he was always around people. 
He was always going into cities and towns and he was always interacting with people. Luke chapter 5, verses 28 through 29. Levi, Matthew, the tax collector, gave him a feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and their Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus associated with people who were lost because he had what they needed. And he knew he had what they needed. And so he looked for people to interact with. He didn't just bump into people. He was looking. I mean, with Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19, he sees a guy sitting up in a tree. I'll tell you what, if I'm walking down the street and I see a guy sitting up in the tree, I'm thinking that guy might be a little crazy. I may not want to interact with that guy. What's Jesus say? Hey, you up there, I'm going to your house today. Probably the last thing I'd want to do is go to his house. But Jesus saw him. And he noticed him. And he interacted with him. Matthew, the tax collector. Who would want to interact with a tax collector? The tax collectors were Jews who worked for the Romans. Even the Jews hated the tax collectors. But Jesus is going along and sees this guy and says, Hey, come follow me. The Gospels tell of a woman whose son had died. And Jesus just is just in a large crowd. And he begins to interact with this woman and speak with this woman who is hurting at the moment. And then, of course, in John chapter 5, we have the story of Jesus healing the blind man. All people that Jesus saw, but he didn't just go, oh, there's a blind guy over there. Jesus began to zoom in on these people. He began to move into their lives. Jesus, Jesus noticed people. Is that the way you do your life? When you're around people, do you notice them as people who are lost and people who are sinners, people who have need? Paul did the same thing. Jesus, Paul was on Mars Hill, and he sees a, a statue over here that's an idol, and he uses this opportunity to start teaching people. He sees a bunch of women who are praying down by the river, and he starts talking to them. He looked for uh, city officials and rulers and kings, and he just he took those opportunities, and he noticed them. And my point is that if you and I are to be people who serve the lost, we've got to start noticing people too. And we got to start caring for people. And let me tell you, it's going to get messy sometimes. And that's the reason I think we back away from evangelism, because we don't want to get too involved in the lives of other people. We don't want to get in those sticky situations where we start feeling uncomfortable, so we feel a lot more comfortable around ourselves, right? We all pretty much dress the same way. We all sort of vote the same way. We all sort of do the same things. And, you know, even then we can have some interaction in our lives. But because you're a Christian, your life's probably pretty together. And so it's not going to get too messy or complicated for me. You You start going out looking at people's lives out in the world. Someone who's caught up in drugs. Someone who's caught up in alcohol. Someone who's caught up in fornication. Things get messy pretty quickly. We gotta start noticing those people. We gotta start interacting with people because people don't know how much we care until we actually show that we care about them. And we talk to them. We start interacting with that guy at the grocery store that you see 
over and over again. I'm not going to ask you this, but how many of you, raise your hand in your head, how many of you can identify someone that you've seen at the grocery store for years, but you've never said anything to them? I'll put my hand up. Okay. I, I see those people, and I see them all the time. How you doing? Good to see you. You know, but, but that's as far as it goes. We want to start serving people who are lost. We've got to start noticing those people at the grocery store, your mailman that you see every day, the new person who's moved into your neighborhood. Boy, we've lost that community feeling. I don't know what it's like here in Louisville. You know, I know my neighbors. I don't know how much they know me. But um, we just don't interact with people as much as we once did. You know, that lady at Target or Walmart, and they've got the kid that's just, they're going crazy and they're crying, and she just looks like she's at her wit's end. Maybe she needs someone to step up and say, Hun, can I help you? Hun, hang in there, you know? Instead, we just ignore them and walk away. And even worse, sometimes we curl our nose up at them. We're going, oh, I can't believe. I wish they would do something about this kid. Instead of looking at them compassionately, and then there are just those people who are lonely, right? You all know them. It's the person at work, the kid at school, who sits by themselves all the time. And yeah, maybe they're a little strange, at least you think they are, but they're a soul who is interested in something. We've got to start noticing these people. And reaching out to those people. Building upon that, the second thing, we can start having spiritual discussions with other people. Jesus was quick to do this. You're around Jesus for a few minutes. Jesus is start going, it's going to start going to the really important issues. I don't see that Jesus would sit around and talk about UK basketball with a guy for an hour or two. Jesus may introduce the subject, but he's going to start going to the really important things. Jesus got around to those issues quickly with people. In, Luke, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, there was a man who was a paralytic. His friends let him down. And you remember the story. They moved part of the roof aside. They let him down. And you know what Jesus said to him? Jesus didn't say, hey, my name is Jesus. What's your name? Uh, what are your interests? No, Jesus said, his sins were forgiven. Boy, that went to the really serious stuff pretty quick, right? I mean, he just went right in to the thing that needed to be dealt with. And then we also know that we looked at Jesus and the woman at the well. Now, that was an uncontrolled situation. Jesus sitting there, hey, you know, can you get me some water? She goes, sure. He goes, uh, by the way, if you knew, knew what type of water I could give you, you'd be asking me for water. Well, that was an interesting move right there. And she starts talking to him and he says, and by the way, I know that you're married right now, but that's not really the, your husband. And it gets awkward, but Jesus goes there and he owns that situation. Because that's where he needed to go in that conversation with the woman. Sometimes we are, we are just so hesitant to follow the example of Jesus Christ. We're hesitant to bring up really difficult spiritual situations. And I get it. I don't like bringing up really heavy spiritual situations to people. I mean, I like to go in there and sort of find out where we're at. Sometimes I've got a good idea of where they are, and I don't really want to go there. I've, I've had so many Bible studies with people, and it starts becoming pretty evident that they're not in a marriage they're supposed to be in. And I don't like going there. But at some point, I'm going to have to. And it's not always situations that are that heavy. Sometimes it's just your best friend that you've been best friends with for 50 years or 20 years. 
But you, you understand, honestly, I've never talked to them about God. Have you ever had those situations? Have you ever invited them to worship services? Find a particular subject that Josh is going to be preaching on and say, hey, uh, our preacher's going to be talking about you know, home and family, and, and I know you're trying to, to raise your kids. How would you like to come? But Jesus went to those places, and Jesus made sure that he had spiritual discussions. I understand you have to be careful today. I know because of work situations, especially if you're a boss, you've got to be careful how much you bring up spiritual conversations in the Bible to other people. I get that. And I'm all for stepping into situations slowly and developing relationships. My point is with Jesus, Jesus went to those uncomfortable situations that needed to be dealt with when they needed to be dealt with. And if we're to reach out and serve the lost, not only do we need to interact with people, but we need to start having those those conversations. So my suggestion to you would be just bring it up sometime. Yeah, have someone that you have lunch with on Monday. Bring up something that you heard today or last week or something that you've been studying on your own. Bring it up and ask the person that you're studying, that you're eating with, hey, have you ever read this in the Bible? Well, I don't really read the Bible at all. Oh, really? Well, start that up, that conversation up right there. And start looking for those opportunities to do it. So set a goal. This week, I'm going to try to have a spiritual conversation with someone. A fellow Christian is disqualified, okay? Sir, those are easy. That's low-hanging fruit. Okay? I'm going to try to have a spiritual conversation with someone. It may not go anywhere. They may not respond. But they're not going to respond if we don't throw it out there. So set a goal this week. Invite someone to a Bible study that you're a part of. Invite someone to worship services. Number three, we have to be tender with people. This is an area where I think we struggle. At least I struggle with it. And I think the brethren that I've always associated with, we struggle with being tender. Jesus did not. Jesus knew people had a lot of problems. And he dealt with people in a very tender and compassionate way. Jesus understood that everyone didn't grow up with a perfect understanding of the law. And Jesus understood that sometimes life was rough with people. And sometimes people were broken by sin and the circumstances of life. We mentioned this morning lepers. Jesus was tender with lepers. When lepers came to him, Jesus didn't say, get away from me. Jesus reached out and touched them. He was tender. Jesus was tender in John chapter 8 with the woman who's caught in adultery. Said this this morning. She was caught in adultery, guys. Okay. The law was very clear. Killer. Stoner. By the way, the law was also clear. Not only should she have been stoned, the man that she was with should have been stoned too. But he's not around, is he? That's an interesting little element to that story. So you got all these men here, and they're ready to just condemn this woman. Who was guilty? But Jesus was tender with her. And you think about that. He had every right to pick up the first stone and cast it at her. Jesus didn't do that, did he? And Jesus didn't say, "Um, you know, you you didn't show good judgment, woman, in how you dealt with this. You shouldn't have gotten into this situation. The woman was in the situation. She had been caught. She had been busted. And she was remorseful. And Jesus met her where she was at. Not only that, you have another woman in Luke's Gospel. 
Luke chapter 7, the woman who, when Simeon, the the uh, Pharisee, had Christ over, and a lot of people were there, and he was displaying Jesus. Remember the woman came in? She started weeping and crying over the feet of Jesus, and uh, everybody knew that she was a sinner. We're not told what she was, but we know that she was a sinner. Everybody knew it. And Simeon's there going, you know, if this guy was really a prophet, he wouldn't let this woman touch him. Because that's the way Simeon acted. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus saw a woman who was broken. Jesus was tender. In fact, the one that Jesus dropped the boom on was the self-righteous guy. But Jesus was tender with this woman because that's what she needed at the moment. Now listen, Jesus never excused sin. Never excused sin. Now here's the challenge with Jesus. I, I wish I could go back in time and watch Jesus for a little while. Because he did something I have not been able to figure out. Jesus was somehow able to navigate the waters of tenderly interacting with sinners and yet still holding firm to what is right and not excusing sin. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with that. And I suspect you do too. Because we struggle there. How do you deal with the woman at work who has the reputation of sleeping around? You just avoid her completely? You never speak to her because she's ungodly? Or do you recognize that, yeah, she's not behaving right, but she's a soul? How about that guy who sleeps around with all the girls at school? You know, I don't want you hanging around that person's son, and maybe you need to show wisdom. But Jesus somehow looked at people and saw that they had a need. Tenderness is a difficult trait for us to develop. Here's what we do, and I've done it. I'm preaching. Listen, guys, in this series, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody else. Okay. I, it's, I'm, I'm right here where I need to be reminded of these things. But we see somebody out there, and um, they have ruined their life with drugs. What do we think? What do we think? Well, they brought it on themselves, right? As if I could just write them off, as if they're not a human being with a soul. Someone who's an alcoholic, well, you know, they just, they've, they've done it to themselves, you know? Someone who, they don't come and they're not faithful in attendance and they're not helping the church and we're just going like, well, you know, they're really dead weight around here. And we start dehumanizing human beings. So what if they've got piercings? So what if they've got tattoos? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they have brought all of this on themselves because they've made stupid, poor choices along the way. They're a soul. And maybe we can reach them at the moment where they're beginning to understand that they have a need. And when I stand self-righteously over them, I'm not going to be able to help them in that moment. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Do you realize there are a lot of spiritual abortions that take place in churches all the time? you got this new Christian here, or a young Christian. Maybe they've been a Christian for a few years, but they're young. All right? And maybe they don't do something right. 
Maybe they lead a song that you think was inappropriate. And older, uh, gruffy Christian over here comes over and they just start chewing them out over something. And, and you know what? That, that soul has just been crushed. And I've seen that. Or maybe there's a young girl who's got a dress on that's a little shorter than it needs to be. And rather than coming up to them and lovingly trying to teach them and encourage them, Sister Gruffy Pants jumps all over her, and that girl just walks out and says, I'm not coming back to this place. We really accomplished a lot right there, didn't we? We really stood up for truth. I'm not excusing modesty. But I'm saying somewhere, beloved, we've got to start being tender with people so that people will listen to us. Sometimes we can become so self-righteous and so hard and so unbending. And I look at this brother over here, and he's got some problem because he keeps coming forward on a regular basis, and I start judging him. When I've got my own problems in my own life, you just don't know about them. Okay? And here I am, taking the Word of God, and I'm pounding someone else with this rather than trying to help them. And then we wonder why people don't talk to us. And we wonder why people don't come back. Because they're coming from the world, and they're coming from denominationalism, and they're trying, but maybe they don't instantly fit into our mold. And we're around people that we've been around for the last 50 years, and we're all in the same mold. And someone comes in there, and they're not fitting into that mold, and they don't really need to be here any longer, and we run them off. (laughs) What are we doing? That's not the way Jesus operated. Again, I'm not excusing sin. Jesus did not excuse sin. Jesus was tender. And if we're to serve the world around us, we need to be tender as well. The only way we're going to attract hurt people is to make sure we open a hospital. Open your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Tell me how you would feel with this group of people around you. Verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of us go, Amen! That is right! (laughs) They are not going to make it there. But it gets uncomfortable when you read on. Verse 11, and such were some of you. What happened? Somewhere along the way, a homosexual interacted with a Christian. Somewhere along the way, that Christian had a positive influence on that homosexual. Did he excuse the homosexuality? Of course not. But he showed some kind of love to this homosexual to this reviler, to this swindler, to this thief, to this person who was greedy, and this person began to worship with the saints, it seems, here in Corinth, and somewhere along the way, their life began to change. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 
You and I need to understand what brings them to Christ is not that they perfectly understand everything that we do and they're in full agreement. They have to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They have to know that they are lost. They have to know that they need to come to God. They need to be baptized, having repented of their sins. They've got to be committed to a new lifestyle and then they come in here. There are a lot of things they're not going to know. Just the way it goes. That's why we teach. Jesus was tender with people. We need to develop a strong attitude of tenderness, bringing people in so that they can come to know God as well. Let's close with this last point. The lesson will be yours. So we said so far that we've got to notice people. We've got to have spiritual discussions with people. We've got to be tender with people. Now, this is the harder one. Sometimes we've got to tell people what they need to hear. Jesus didn't shy away from saying what needed to be said when that moment came. Matthew chapter 19 had a guy came running, running up to him. You know, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said, well, what does the law say? You know, he said, honor your father and mother, all those things. And Jesus said, that's really good. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to go and sell everything that you've got. And give to the poor, and you're good. And the guy didn't like that. What we're told then is, the guy walked away. He didn't go where he needed to go. Now, Jesus could have done this. Jesus could have said, because he would have known, if I tell him to sell everything, he's going to walk away. Jesus knew the hearts of men. Jesus could have said, I'll just keep my mouth shut, and he'll become a disciple, and it's all good. But, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus told him what he needed to hear. And same thing in other places. Luke chapter 7, Simeon, the Pharisee, Jesus said, you know, this woman has kissed my feet and you didn't kiss my feet and wash my feet when I came in here. And, and this woman who's been forgiven of much, she loves more than you do. Jesus dealt with that with Simeon. And Peter in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 40, when the people said, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter could have realized there'd be some people who wouldn't obey, but he said what needed to be said. We got to do the same thing. It's going to be hard. I've sat across the table from people knowing that if I say what I need to say next, this study is over. And I don't like to be in that position. And maybe there's someone who's your neighbor and you've been trying to share the gospel with them, but they're just not, they're just not getting it. Maybe they're doing something wrong and they're not seeing how their life is really messed up because of this. And maybe what they need is for you to step into their life and say, hey, look, I really love you. I need to talk to you for a minute. I'm really concerned about something. Paul did that, Mars Hill. You know, you guys are really religious. I see this idol over here. Let me tell you about this God. Sometimes we're going to have to humbly step into someone's life and say, I love you, but you're wrong. I love you, but you're sinning. I love you, but you are not right with God right now. I love you, but let's open up the Word of God. Do you see what the Word of God said? And there's going to be that fear that if I if I open my mouth, I'll destroy relationships, and I just need to keep letting things go the way they've always gone. But I'm telling you, at some point, if we're to serve other people, we've got to tell them what they need to hear. 
Again, I know it's, there's wisdom that's involved in this. You don't need to meet someone who's obviously homosexual and beat them over the head with what the Bible says. Let me tell you, that will accomplish nothing. You heard about these guys from Westboro Baptist Church out west, and they're the ones who have these signs um, with really vile, disgusting words on them, and they're hateful words, and they're talking about people burning in hell. How effective do you think that is? Zero effective. That accomplishes nothing in the lives of other people. So maybe your best friend is gay. Or maybe your best friend is transgender. Or maybe your best friend's using drugs. And you need to love them and you need to be there for them. But maybe at some point you're going to have to say, hey, can we sit down and talk? I'm really, really concerned about something. And you do it humbly. Because what's the old saying? When I point my finger at you, I've got three others pointing back to me. We talked this morning, Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 1, called himself the chief of sinners. Really? You really think Paul, if you stack up every human being that's ever lived, you really think Paul was the worst sinner ever? I suspect he wasn't. Hitler was probably a few farther down the line from him, farther, farther up. But you know, why would Paul say something like that? This is really important. Because to Paul, he was the chief of sinners. You understand that point? To Paul, he was the chief of sinners. You know who the chief of sinners is to me? It's me. Who's the chief of sinners to you? It's you. So it's the whole thing Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 about um, going to someone else and trying to pull a splinter out of their eye when you've got a moat in your own eye. You know, That's not to say that we don't step into the lives of people and talk to them, but I've got to really make sure. I'm not playing the hypocrite. I gotta make sure before I start coming down hard on someone else that I'm really trying to live the way I'm supposed to live. And I don't know about you, but that holds me back sometimes. That at least tempers me. And that's the tempering that we need. We have too much of a reputation in our fellowship of coming down hard on people in a self-righteous way, as if we have no problems with our own, our own lives. And I'll tell you what. I've been a preacher long enough to know that in every congregation there are Christians with a lot of personal problems. Okay? I said before, I don't know all of you, but I'm sure in this congregation there are people that have a lot of problems. So it's really hard to come to the point where we reach out to other people and we sit down in a loving way in a non-judgmental way, we just open up the Word of God and we try to help people see things they need to hear. Because your friend who is lost, they need to hear that they need to be baptized. They need to hear that there is a Savior who died for them and they need to make changes in their life. Maybe those changes won't be made overnight. Maybe it's going to take years to correct that, that course. But they need to make changes in their lives. And everyone here... Whoever you are, you need to make sure you are striving to serve the Lord. And you need to make whatever changes need to be made in your life. You've got to be right with God. Some people won't want to hear that. Some people may never speak to you again. Sometimes you need to have that conversation with them. If you're going to try to serve them and help them out spiritually. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 5, we find this. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse... For they are a rebellious house, 
yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. So what do we see in all of this? Four things. If we're to serve the world around us, serve the lost around us, we need to be people who notice people, we engage people in spiritual discussions, we are tender towards them, we tell them what they need to hear. Now, here's the good news. The good news is Jesus had a 100% success rate in interacting with people and showing his concern for people. Here's the bad news. The bad news is he didn't have a 100% success rate in converting people. So, you and I need to understand going into this, that if we're to reach out to the world around us, we're not going to be 100% successful. Get that out of your mind. But we've got to start interacting with people, being kind to other people, and showing the love of God to the world. And we've got to stop being so angry and judgmental. We've got to step into their lives with God's mercy and His grace, striving to help them see that there's a God who actually loves them. Regardless of what they've done, he actually still wants them to go to heaven. And they can go to heaven. They'll turn to him. Serving the lost around us. If you're not a Christian this evening, there's a God who stands before you, who created you and fashioned you, and he wants nothing but the best for you. And he understands that you've messed yourself up in a lot of ways and his mercy and grace is there to help you if you'll come to him. And he sent his son Jesus Christ to pay the price so that you can have salvation. This evening, if you want salvation, it's yours if you will come to him. Repent, confess, be baptized. you leave here his child. If you're a child of God and in your life you are not who you need to be, And you've got sin in your life. Maybe you haven't been reaching out to the lost. Maybe if you're his child, while we're singing, you'll ask God to forgive you and you'll make a determination. Things are going to be different now. If you want the prayers of your brothers and sisters in Christ, we would love to pray with you and help you in any way that we can. You're subject to the Lord's invitation. Won't you come now while we stand, while we sing.